thing at Sister, make your fridges, grab 10 other fridges and turn up and watch these games. Welcome to Giants Women Say, the podcast where we discuss all things AFLW Giants. I'm Fiona Lamb. I'm Tracy Kick. I'm Nat Morgan. And I'm Emma Phillips. Another new voice. We're going to hear from Emma Phillips a little later. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. In episode five, we're going to review the week that was. We're going to review the GWS versus Carlton game. We're going to interview special guest Emma Phillips. And we're going to play our interview with Fridge, Amanda Ferrugia, the captain of GWS Giants. We're going to have Kiwi Splaining. And we'll preview the GWS versus Collingwood game next week. So let's get into the week that was. What a week. What a week. Wow. Some really interesting games on the weekend, I thought. I'm just having trouble putting one foot in front of the other right now, Trace, but there we are. Oh, I hope you're okay. <laughs> Look, I thought that one of the most interesting things was the difference in the scores this week. Um, in round one, we had two points separate um, four, 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 games, games, yeah. four games. And this week, um, the minimum margin was 29 points in any game and up to 30-plus points. So the teams are really starting to kind of assert themselves. You're starting to see some of those teams rise to the top. But also some surprises like the Melbourne versus Lions game. I thought that was really surprising. Yeah, I don't think many people had picked that sort of a margin. I didn't or even it. for Melbourne to, to win. Yeah. Um, so it was a big blowout. Oh, well and truly over in that second quarter. You don't – not many women's games come back from five goals, six goals down, do they? So, no, it's not uh, time. It's almost over. Um, yeah, they were fantastic. And perhaps the weather played a part in it too. And also just um, people sort of feeling more comfortable in their roles and their positions and um, playing a bit more naturally rather than a bit panicky or anything like that. So, Do you think their be. losses played into, you know, the, the players that they've lost? Um, I think sometimes. I think there's a few factors. So I think Nat's right. I think that players themselves will probably be feeling less pressure than they were in round one or round two, especially if they've established themselves into the team. I think that coaches have had the time to review now two matches leading up to that match to really look for the the weaknesses that they can exploit in, in their game plan. And I think that, um, you know, there's that piece around um, – how players will be approaching it and, you know, I just just don't think they'll be feeling as much pressure. Hmm. The other thing I really liked about uh, the game, well, nice surprise, I thought, because I thought the North and Bulldogs game was going to be close. I'd sat up on Friday night in front of the TV, like very amped about about the uh, potential result. I think Hmm. I'd picked North and I think you guys had... Did anyone I pick Bulldogs? Bulldogs? I did. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I can't remember. Let's go. That back was a to week ago. Tape. Now. I know it was a yeah. lot of happened, <laughs> but we all thought it would be a ripper. I think yeah. I might have even said it will be the match of the round. Yeah, but yeah. No, I know. Just... I was so excited. I was just ready. Like yeah. Friday night was here. It was footy. The Carney um, Blackburn thing didn't happen either. Oh man, it just it just it was a disappointing game. I thought I mm. just for, as a spectacle. It just wasn't what I was expecting to see. So um, the revelation there, though, was uh, Courtney Munn kicking four goals in her debut, 18-year-old. You know, another uh, stroke of – I think North Melbourne are really using their height. I believe they're the tallest team in the competition. And they're they're the most – they mark well well and above every other team in uncontested marks up to – double some teams in uncontested marks. So it's really interesting because he's definitely using a strategy to put a tool in the goal square and to, um, you know, try to exploit or cause a problem for the defence. So um, it's working from their point of view, that's for sure. So they didn't really – Emma King didn't – I don't, don't No, she, well, she didn't have to, really. No, well, she um, didn't have to because no. – had Courtney someone Moore's else doing the job, goals, so. and I think I know people have been concerned about the extra two teams, and next year there's an extra four, and whether there's a standard across the board. But this is what it's created: is these rookies get an opportunity who are bloody legends. Each yeah. club's got a star each week, who's you know we've never heard of before. Yep. Um, and I just think it's fantastic. They get a chance, and they can they can do something if they get the opportunity. Yeah, no, that was that was really good. Um, <laughs> Adelaide over the Cats. Oh, Adelaide were pretty good, weren't they? From the minute Erin uh, Phillips took oh, the first mark. And, I don't think she kicked that first goal, did she, from the angle? Oh, well, she might have actually. I think she that's really yeah, okay. is so impressive. Are you flexing your muscles just pretending they're <laughs> like Erin's? Did you? She's oh, lost. Oh, you know, speaking of the week that was, though, I was, I was 
I found that curious, and I know that there was a comment that you were involved in, Fee, but I found it curious that the AFLW social media decided to utilise the Erin Phillips um, Valentine's message. Oh, I didn't see I'm that. Sorry, what? Oh, I was. That was sent to me. Yes, yes. you received it, <laughs> Fee. What? Sorry, what did it say again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you flip. Machine. You make my heart flip. I think. Yeah, I just found it curious that that the AFLW would have selected Phillips as a kind of Valentine's pin-up. I just, I, I just found that really strange. Well, a say. lot of the AFLM teams had multiple postcards. Multiple oh, which memes. they sort of played played on. Is that the thing where they had sort of puns of their names and things like that? Was yeah, that sort of a thing. Yeah, but. Um, but Erin Phillips is the only one I can recall. Yeah. That's yeah, so the only one I saw. I thought that was interesting. Just just a point of interest. Maybe only because it's the one that was sent to me. But uh... <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> glad I didn't send it. <laughs> um, so, look, moving along, we've just had some news from the tribunal as well. Yeah. So Taylor Harris has been offered one week for her shoulder charge on Pepper Randall. Um I think that's the least she deserves, frankly. I may have called out a suggestion well, of more than that. Well, Fee, you've game. got to remember that in an eight-week season, a one-week a one week um, suspension is the equivalent of three or four weeks yeah. in the men's mm-hmm. program. Yeah, so yeah, I think I was just years. very upset by that point, Trace. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> they have handed out three, four, and, and this year seems to be two, seems to be the general one. I think they've tempered it because it is like that's the argument all the time yeah. that, you know, it percentage. can be season ending for people yeah. and it should be if it's severe enough but, yeah. it, you know, there are things that people are doing that are not like at the extreme Well, um, I guess if you of... compare last week the uh, hip and shoulder that – was it Nat Barr? No, who, who was it? Sorry, Barr. It was, mm. yeah, sorry. Mm. Uh, the hip and shoulder that Nat Barr put on and um, – or the bump from behind I think it was. Yeah. So there was no yeah. head contact or anything like that and that was – Two weeks? Put no, down one, one. Week. It was one only week. one. Oh, okay. But, but they apparently well, they did call for three. It was downgraded to one. Okay. But um, I thought that was a bit harsh, really. Well, I think the thing is that it was off the ball. So the rule is off the ball. You can bumper. So you can I can prevent you from running forward by bumpering you. I can push you back into the space that you're trying to run into. Yep. But I can't hip and shoulder you unless I'm in, within five metres of the ball. So within the rules, that was a fair... Um, you know, adjudication of what happened there. It was unfortunate that her injury was, you know, uh, she had a predisposition for that injury and it resulted in such a season-ending end- injury. Mm. Um, but I think one week was probably what was, you know, that was a fair result. Yeah, mm. fair enough. The thing I noticed over the weekend, I was out at uh, Blacktown and both in the warm-up, I got there a little bit later, there's only one team on the field and I thought, oh, it's GWS. no. Carlton wearing orange panels on their singlets, on their warm-up singlets, and then after the game they were also uh, handing out orange baseball caps as well, um, signing them for the kids. So I thought it was a bizarre colour choice when you, you know, when you come to Orange County, you know, you shouldn't be handing out similar merchandise. I thought it was a poor marketing plan by uh, Carlton, so uh, they yeah, might learn. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, there it? were a couple of kids going, I don't want one of those caps. They were in their full Carlton gear <laughs> and I think it was Bree, Davy had signed an ca- orange cap and was handing it over and the kids are going, I don't want that. We the are the navy oranges. oranges. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, got it. Excellent. Um, anything else from the round? Press Parkers, another oh. rip around. Yeah. Uh, she was great so again. Um, and, you know, wasn't 21 possessions, unreal, three goals. It was what she did with it. Every ball hit someone or went into space. And uh, she's so sort of mature for such a young kid. I think she's 18. You know her, don't you, Emma? Yeah, or, 18. Yep. Yeah. And um, she always had sort of a solid head on her shoulders. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Quite a quiet sort of kid, but mm. just a stunning footballer. Impressive to watch. Yeah, I hope uh, she'll be injury-free for a few seasons so we can mm. see her develop. What about Frio? What about Frio? They've been so good. Surprising. That yeah, the surprise um, of this of this season really. <laughs> There's been some commentary on the socials uh, saying that because Frio are succeeding now, it means that Michelle Cowan was not a good coach. And I take umbrage with that. I really do. Yeah. Look, I I agree. I think look, coaches can make a difference, and it's true that 
different players respond to different coaches. There's no doubt about that. But you can't say that after three wins that um, a coach somehow has turned that season around. You know, there's a lot of other factors. You know, there's the, the number of players that they've had, the number of players they've retained, the talent that's coming through that Emma alluded to before through the junior ranks because the pathway has been in WA for a long time and not um, and also, you know, if you look at season one, the number of the best talent in WA that was drafted by the interstate teams, um, they were a diminished side in a sense. So um, I, d- I don't think you can say that. And, you know, Michelle's reputation, you know, precedes her in terms of women's football. People know what Michelle brought to the game and, um, and value that. Yeah, yeah. And so you could argue actually the team that we're seeing now is the one Michelle built. You could argue that. Thanks, Michelle. So another thing that happened this week was we went to the Guilty Feminist podcast, the live podcast, and uh, that was fantastic. Um, I may or may not have been enthusiastically engaged in the show. I think it's called heckling. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be a heckling. Stalking if it was outside the studio. A question was asked and I responded so when when Deborah Francis White said, you may have noticed that I was late to the stage, I confirmed that for her. Yes, Rather you did. Me. Yes. And then I was I heard on. it from, from the bleachers. <laughs> uh, no, well, it was a great podcast. It was lots of fun. And um, Fee, you did manage to get a couple of little um, quips in there after them because you, you'd drawn her attention and she was keen to, you know, keep conversing with you. Yes, but what did I do, Trace, that I think was quite quite impressive in the context of this pod and, and our well, goals? Well, you managed to kind of just refer in. To the uh, the fact that when she was in Melbourne, they had Darcy Vessio as a special guest and had uh, had awarded her a Carlton jumper, which unfortunately she thought was a rugby jersey. But anyway, we'll excuse that we because she did know it. that Darcy Vessio plays Aussie rules. I wanted to raise that because a few podcasts ago, Deborah Francis White said this. She said, "We are all journalists, all of us. Anyone who has a Twitter account or can get one." anyone who has an Instagram account or can get one or any other form of social media. Every single one of us is a journalist and could start changing the way the world is seen by those around them. And that is what we are doing here. One pod at a time. One pod at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Giants fan, but geez. Gee whiz. That's all I have to say. Let's do a review of the GWS versus Carlton game. Fantastic crowd out at Blacktown, 3,800 odd. Yeah. I think that's one of the best crowds and I think the fan day obviously contributed to that. It was, so, a, it was a lovely, great carnival atmosphere. It was, it was a great atmosphere. what I was hoping for at so the scene it was, was really set. good. Yeah. Scene would, was set. I would love them to have cameras on the other side of the field filming back into the crowded grandstand. Then it yeah. looks really crowded. Yeah. Um, that's the only then thing. Then you know we were there. No, well, they almost don't. You'd look out and you go, oh, there's a spattering of people on the hill because it was very hot. It was over 30 degrees again at kickoff. So you got kids and that's one thing I did notice. There were a million families, young parents, mum, dads, kids, everyone out there having a great time. Um, but it was hot, so that's why we were all hiding in the grandstand. Mm. But um, you're right, it was a great atmosphere. Well, at least fantastic. they could pan around and give a, give a bit of a feeling of what the atmosphere was because it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, yeah. Um, let's talk about the game. So uh, a, couple, a late out, so Emma Swanson was withdrawn on Friday. Yeah. And I don't think anyone shoulder. expected her to play, did we? Seeing her go off and the way she was holding it, like... No, I was surprised anyone... she was named. So yeah. I think that was not a surprise, uh, which brought Phoebe Monaghan back in for a bit of Monaghanomania. Monaghanomania! Monaghanomania! So I went in and had a look at her stats and she had one kick. Now, as a defender... It's not all, not all about just the spoil, it's the extras. It's attacking defender, get the ball out, you know, judge when to run off your players. Um, I don't, you know, coming in and just getting the one kick's not enough, I don't think. And there was opportunity up forward, um, five goals, six or something like that, I think it was. Um, uh, uh, the ball was going down to Phoebe's end a lot and to have only got one kick out, I didn't think was good enough. I think... Um you know, inside 50s were telling again. So um, Carlton had 33 and so that goes to your point, Nat, about you would think expect the defenders' stats to be a little more because there weren't 
defenders with high stats. They definitely missed Swanson and Barr, who have been providing a lot of the run off halfback um, and usually have some of the most metres gained along with Ali Brush. They they are the players that gain the meterage, so they're the ones that um, create that play from the, the halfback line. You imagine um, they'll both come back as well this week? I do imagine that they'll both come back. Um, and 21 inside 50s for um, GWS, which just isn't enough. I mean, they actually had a high percentage of score once inside 50. Um, but back to last week's discussion, a lot of that was just play created, um, you know, not some really inventive play, created some fast play, but not a, not a lot of options in leading, not a lot of controlled footy. It's all relied on kind of creative fast play and that's one way of getting inside 50 and scoring, but there's got to be more than one way. Yeah, because if it doesn't work, you need a plan B, don't you? Yeah, you need multiple plans. There must be something going on in the forward line there. If I think about the North Melbourne match also, I think they had the same number of scoring shots or almost the same number of scoring shots and got done by six-odd goals. More. Yeah. There was, so there's um, some movement yeah, forward, but what's happening 13, there? Are they 13 pushed 13 wide perhaps? Shots, and yep. Mm. But I think the midfielders are not getting first use of the ball. That's where the that's where I really think it's breaking down. So um, I saw I saw North Melbourne um, come out very apt, right out of the centre bounds, straight out their front, which is the mm. defensive side of GWS's um, centre bounds, and I felt that that just happened too often. I'd look up next minute, ball up, out c- comes running um, Carlton un- unattended, kicks it inside fifty to a marking forward, like traditional kind of just playmaking footy out of the middle, straight to a forward. And that's how they got their opportunities. And they squandered, Carlton actually squandered quite a few opportunities when inside 50, their scoring ratio wasn't as great. But we're not getting first. We've got fantastic midfielders. GWS has some of the highest rated midfielders in the competition, but something is not quite working. And to expose the... The um, that defensive side of the ball up, like, is what what's happening, is a real concern. Elise Parker's new in there, obviously, but Hixie played in there last year, and, and Courtney and Eva and Delpos. I mean, they've played together before, so I'm just not sure. It's like a communication breakdown. There's something not quite right about what's happening around that ball up and people knowing their roles at that in that situation because there's too many spaces. Yeah. Who do you think well, the best were? I thought. Uh, Bonner, had, she gave a go all day, really, didn't she? I thought. Yeah, I thought she loved was pretty her good. Work. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's amazing. I mean, the commentators are like a fourth game of football, but like to be honest, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Who else did you think was good, Nat? Um, I thought Courtney Gum was more effective with the ball use this time. Still around about her average fifteen um, touches, um, but I actually thought that when she did a quaddy and went up to the forward line, that she was more effective up there because she seemed to have sort of short, sharp bursts and just was angry, got the ball and was trying to get it in there. So I actually thought she was better with the ball this time. You aren't agreeing on the other side of the panel? Look, I saw – I was going to not name individual players, but now I am. Um, What I noticed early on was uh, she was in the midfield and uh, got the ball early and gave away possession a number of times – so she did a lovely kick and it went straight to a um, Carlton yeah, player. Not effective, I um, And then Christina Bernardi was kicking from the 50 and, and we knew she wasn't going to get it. So if we know she's not going to get it, why doesn't she know she's not going to get it and why isn't she thinking of other alternatives? So I'm seeing a team looking defeated before the quarter starts, before the game starts, and, and this is what I was describing last week as well, seeing flat-footed um, players, seeing them not mucking up on, on players. Um, there was one goal that went through. There was no one on the, on the um, goal line. It may not have been spoiled, but that's actually not the point. Um, they weren't there. Um, and, and, look, if, if every moment in life can be analysed by a metaphor from a scene from Greece, and I think it can, <laughs> but there's a scene when Danny is trying to take up sport and he uh, is playing baseball and he has two strikes and then he hits the ball and he feels so good about himself because he hits it in the middle of the bat and he's got a big smile and then they say, foul ball. So it was just like they're feeling really good about these moments in, in, that are skills but in the context of the game, they're of no use. 
it's individually um, impressive. Mm. Um, Hopefully, so lots of individual efforts, not a lot of team team play. And I think, look, the other thing that I keep banging on about is marks inside fifty, which goes back to the Ford fifty entries. So. 3v8, um, and the contested possession, they'd be happy with that. They won it by one. It was pretty even, but still the uncontested possession. So how are these players getting out and, um, you know, not being – not being no one's locating them or giving them, you know, some opposition. So mm. too, too much clean possession from the opposition. So yeah, going into to next week will be interesting. Yeah. This is Kiwi Kiwi Coach Kiwi and Trace had a discussion about the rule changes and how they're impacting the game so far. Hey Kiwi, what uh, rules are we looking at at Kiwi Splaining this week? Okay, so I thought we'd um, change it up a little bit this week and we'll um, focus on two rules and actually talk a little bit more about the impact of that rule on the game. Fantastic. Very interesting. Very. So the first one I'm going to focus on is a 50-metre penalty. So um, the 50-metre penalty has obviously been in the game a long time, but what they've done for AFRW now is um, when the umpire is moving back to measure the 50 metres, the attacking player can now attack at any time or can play on at any point. They don't have to wait. And the player who was on the mark, who probably gave away the penalty, but the player who was on the mark now has to clear the protected zone. So they don't march back with the umpire. They actually have to completely get out of that um, protected zone. So it Mm. means further down the field, somebody else has to be really switched on and then step up to take the mark instead. Absolutely. And can can a player um, run all the way, like the offending player, can the offending player run all the way back to the mark if they're out of the zone and beat that player back and stand on the mark? Uh, well, they'd have to be quick, but yeah, from what I gather, they kind of can't. They just now have to clear the 10-metre area. Clear the 10-metre protected zone. And this is the, I I mean, this 50-metre penalty in particular is all about the protected zone, which used to be 5 metres and is now 10. Um, But we're seeing it really impact the games, right? Because uh, over the weekend, there was a game where two of those were given in a row, which resulted in a goal because uh, play ended up, you know, sort of 10 or 20 metres out from goal. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on the impact on the game? Yeah, massive. It can be, you know, just a defensive kick and then all of a sudden two 50-metre penalties and you've got a shot on goal. And when we've had some games, um, you know, the result by less than a goal, that can make a you know huge difference as well as it can be quite a turning point in the game. If you've been under a lot of pressure and then all of a sudden your teammate's gone up and kicked a goal and, you know, it puts a bit of a dent in the confidence for the other team and, um, put you maybe your team on a bit of a high. So it can change the way the game's flowing too. Yeah, and what do you think about the idea that perhaps 50 metres is too generous in women's footy? Um, most women don't kick 50 metres on average. Um, I think that rule pertains to the average distance that perhaps men can kick in, in the original rules of AFL. Um, any thoughts on, you know, Predicting any rule changes for 2020, um, will do you think that they'll ever review the 50 metres? Yeah, I have actually heard some talk about that. I hope it doesn't. I know uh, years ago in the VWFL, they had a 30 metre penalty instead. Mm. And I kind of, I've seen some games that had that involved and I don't feel it's much of a punishment. I right. think 50 metres, and especially for females, we don't kick 50 metres generally. You know, 40 metres is probably, you know, between 30 and 40 metres is a pretty fair distance. So Mm. 50 is quite a punishment. So if you are moved 50 metres down the field, that's greater than a kick, really. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? So I think we'll see that because they're very hot on it, right? So I think we'll see it impacting the games, you know, throughout the season. So it's going to be one to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it just means your players down the field, there's, you know, opportunity there to exploit because a defender further down has probably got to leave their opponent to come and take the mark. Mm. So then somebody else would have to shift over to that opponent and, you know, everyone down there then has to move across from where they're probably set up. So um, if you're a switched on attacker, you can absolutely exploit that uh, movement and find the free player easy. 
Yeah, well, you can get an out number, right, because that one comes up and, and if there's the communication and the handovers aren't good, then you're right. There's an opportunity there for, for good attacking footy. So let's talk about one of the other rules um, that you wanted to talk about today. Um, and what's that one? Uh, the other one is the last touch out of bounds. Now, this rule actually came into AFLW last year and was played around the whole perimeter of the field. This year, it's been limited to between the 50-meter arcs. So I think that cleans it up a bit. I think it's an improvement on the rule itself. And um, the other tweak they've done to it, instead of it just being last touch, it's now if it's a contested ball, it's just a normal throw-in. It's only if it's been clean off the hands or off the boot that it becomes last touch out of bounds. Yeah, because look, last year some some free kicks in the defensive or attacking 50 um, could mean that a turnover could result on a kick on goal, right? So it's, it does seem fairer. Yep, I think, yeah, absolutely. It cleans it up and it keeps it moving and, and it stops that cheeky play. If you, you know, kind of like they use in soccer where you kick it off somebody and it bounces off their shin and over the sideline, <laughs> you get the throwback. So it stops that kind of cheeky play. Um, that I had seen a couple of times in AFLW. Yeah, no, I observed that last year as well. So I think, yeah, I think that has been a positive rule change. I'm still not convinced they need to come in 30 metres, I mean 10 metres from the boundary. Um, but, um, you know, we can debate that one maybe another time and keep explaining. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not so convinced on that one either. But, oh, well, there'll be ways to exploit that. We'll talk about that another time. Okay, Kiwi, well, um, we missed you in the show tonight, but thanks for Kiwi Splaining. I miss you guys too, and um, have a great week. You too. Bye. Ciao, Well, we've got a special guest in the studio today, and we're very pleased to have Emma Phillips join us. Welcome, Emma. Thank you, Tracy. Great um, to be here. Yeah, Emma. so... Um, uh, for those who don't know, uh, for the New South Wales listeners, uh, we're going to find a little bit about um, Emma's background in footy. Um, it's been long and vast and uh, find out what she thinks about footy in New South Wales having been up here for over 12, just over 12 months. So, um, Em, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your footy background in Two words or less? No, you've got, <laughs> got more than two words. You know I can ramble, don't you, Trace? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I yep, came up here 12 months ago. Prior to that, have been playing footy in Melbourne since I think it's 2001 I started playing, which just seems like an eternity ago now. I did have a few seasons off but um, played for Melbourne Uni Women's Footy Club for that period of time. Go the Muggers. Go the Muggers, M-U-G-A-R-S, the Melbourne Uni Girls Aussie Rules Squad. Not to be confused with the Moogars, which is what it looks like on paper. Um, yeah, so footy there. Wow, where do you start? Um, I, I I was captain of the club for a couple of years. I co-captained with Alicia Eva. Taught her everything I know. Hope she's listening right now. <coughs> Shout out to Alicia. Shout out to Alicia, yeah. <laughs> um, well, one of my favourite footballers and favourite people, actually. So she was fantastic at the club. Um Played a few state years as well, so it's You're interesting. You're in the Victorian in the Academy. Victorian team. I'm, I'm in enemy territory, aren't I, up here? Or I am the enemy, I think. <laughs> no, I no heard... we, we want so to know more you, because... Would you have played against each other? Would I... Kiwi have played against you? Possibly. Mm. I stopped Not the state me. stuff around 2000 and, oh God, I don't know, seven or eight maybe. Nat was captaining oh, the New South Wales team in 2002? Um, 2001, 2002. Um, 2003. Actually, yeah, 2002, I think, was my first year. Which was, and it was here in New South Wales, I think. that Was that that tournament? There was, I played one in Melbourne and then one in Darwin. There was that fantastic trip up in Darwin in 2003. Yeah, perhaps. I've heard a lot about that trip. That yeah, was that, not amazing. about the footy, yeah. was it? It was more, more about everything <laughs> it else. It was about trips to the, the island. Yeah, I can't remember much of the footy. <laughs> yeah. Everything else. And um, what position did you play? Usually centre-half forward or centre-half back occasionally, so I'd swing. Depending on the coach I had, generally I'd swing swinger. between those two. A swinger, indeed. Did you have um, a preference? Oh, Probably centre-half forward, you know, it's just that little bit more glamorous, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and um, and then, then you had a – did you have a little break from footy and then came back in the last few years? Is that yeah, what happened? Yeah, I did. I took a few – I thought I'd retired, you know, that story, um, <laughs> in my late 30s, and then just got itchy again to play, went down to training in pre-season and sort of got halfway fit enough to do it. And the coach said, come and have a run with the VFL girls. So in the time they'd been away, they'd moved away from V. WFL, which was not affiliated with the AFL, into the affiliation with AFL Victoria and VFL W. 
I think. Have I got that right? Yeah. To get the letters yeah. in the right yeah. order? Yeah. But they I still know, just they kept them playing footy though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. The same, yeah. Same, yeah. same footy. Yeah, they yeah, still same stuff. Mm. But there was a significant change I noticed, I think, in that time I was away. Lots of the girls that I had played with were still there. Lots of new girls had come in that had been in those junior programs that had been in place at that time for quite a while. So there was some serious talent, you know, press parkuses of the world were coming through. And, I mean, it really stopped and made me think, gee, I'm, I'm really off the boil here, you know. It's, it was great really to see that talent come in. But there was a joke going around the club about being elite, you know, and they would have a go at each other for their elite levels. And I think my club might have produced about 20 or so of that first lot of AFLW. So really like a whole team of footballers were, you know. So that time I'd been away and being a guaranteed spot in the Premier Division team, I wasn't anymore, you know. Right. So, yeah, it was quite the shift. Mm. It just a very, quite a short space of time, really. Mm. And was and that your age or? Uh, age and had slowing down a bit for sure. But I think really just that push from underneath of that really serious junior level talent, you know, they'd, they'd gone through those pathways that none of us older girls had access to and it was really paying dividends. Mm. And so um, you, you came back for a year, you got a, a hand injury. Yep. Um, and then moved to... Sydney, yeah, is that right? yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so. I, <laughs> I got I broke my finger pretty badly about halfway through the season, and that was one of I think eight broken fingers I've had. It's just another one to get fixed up at the hospital. Um, Obviously, but, got a poor marking technique. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was actually the end of training. It was. It was very poor marking technique. I was fatigued. It was low light, and anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I met my partner shortly after that, who obviously is from Sydney, and moved up at the end of last year, the year before, so about a year ago. I didn't think I'd play footy up here, but got the itch again. You know, it doesn't seem to go away, does it? So, yeah, met Tracy very quickly afterwards and joined the Bulldogs and I had a wonderful time playing footy in Sydney. Yeah. I wish I was a bit younger, I'd keep going. Was and, it more and fun here in yeah. Sydney, having come back, you know, and just having no sort of the teammates you didn't know or anything like that, no expectations, yeah. you yeah, enjoyed it? Yeah, you just nailed it exactly. There was no sort of, you know... I, my nickname is actually Flipper, like Erin Phillips. Emma Phillips got the Flipper nickname as well. And, you know, there's a persona that comes with that and um, expectations and a sort of a standing at the club in Melbourne, I suppose, that I didn't have here, which I really relished relinquishing. Mm. <laughs> so there was no, yeah, no one knew who I was or what I'd done or any of that stuff. And it was just really lovely. Great just, group of people too. Just, Emma, I'm just interested for the listeners, um, your perception of Sydney footy, I mean New South Wales footy doesn't get much um, much of a rap and it certainly uh, is not highlighted in, in sort of in the draft or, you know, you very rarely see a, a New South Wales player, um, you know, be picked up by an out-of-state um, scenario. Um, but what's your perception of Sydney AFL in the one season that you did play and you know, the, the difference in the competition and the difference in the talent and whether it's all all part perception or, you know, the, the gap is as large a chasm as they kind of think it is. I, I don't think it's a chasm. There is a gap, definitely. I think it's just weight of numbers and that rich history of footy in Melbourne, of course. It's been in the schools for a lot longer than it has here and so on. Um, but I don't think the gap is that huge at all. It's it's um, it's quite rich with talent, I would say, and, you know, growing really fast. I was actually surprised, I must say, at the level of interest in women's footy here, the numbers of players, the standard of coaching. Trace knows she'll hate me saying this, but one of the absolute best coaches I've ever had in Tracy. So, you know, look, it wasn't at all. I, I have to confess I was at the start of the season thinking it would be a chasm of difference. No, just no, not at all. And you would have played with, I guess, say, Debbie Lee, Peter Searle, yep. Shiloh, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, they've all had uh, plenty of coaching uh, experience now. Are you going to use your experience and uh, look at coaching oh, now look, that you've retired? It's a really interesting question. I, about a year ago, I was speaking at length with my partner about being at a crossroads in my life and whether to do. I'd been accepted into a PhD here at UTS, nothing to do with footy, but uh, something else altogether. And the coaching option sort of seemed like it was right timing. You know, I'm, I'm 42 now, I finished playing. Um, I love coaching. I've coached a bit of junior footy at my old club in Melbourne. Um, but I just, I don't know, it feels like it's such a difficult pathway. You know, the AFL said they would be opening up all kinds of fast-tracking programs and I guess I feel like a good candidate for that, but it's not there and it's a big push. Is that because you're now here in New South Wales? No, or? I think generally that's the case. I okay. think it's, I know there's a there's a there's um, an academy in Melbourne now that's, you know, helping women get into coaching, but so I suppose there is a difference there, but it just doesn't seem like enough incentive to get into coaching. I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I think I, I would really love to coach, but a lot of push. I know what it's like to work in footy too. My ex-partner worked in football and 
it's just consumes you. I'm mm. sure you guys know this too. It's consuming. So, you know, unless you're 100% committed to it and you're happy a, not to see your family that often. <laughs> it's a big step to it take. Is, yeah, yeah. Big decision. I haven't ruled it out, but not at the moment. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, one of the things that I um, now understand because Kiwi um, coaches at uh, Darabin and um, the Eastern Rangers under-18s um, uh, league, is um, that the matches are filmed. All of the matches are filmed. They get to review their play and they all get champion yep. data. Which so we don't have access to up here. Great feedback to be able to, to take that information and move forward based on, on the review that you do with that information. So with all this money that's going into state footy that um, has been announced by the, the head of women's football. Um, I'm looking forward to that being a change here in Sydney, Sydney women's Sydney AFL and the women's um, the women's comp. So Trace, um, I'm not sure. Are, in Sydney AFL, are the men's games filmed? They're filmed. Every game is filmed, but right. the players don't have access to. They don't wear trackers and they don't have access to data unless their club has had the. Uh, fortune to have enough money to purchase it I know where I coached the last five years uh, they don't um, and um, it's probably the NEFL teams are the first opportunity that you get to get that data yeah so that's a massive gap that can be filled it's a massive gap I mean you know there, there is no better value than reviewing a game and knowing how to review a game so I think there's two things that, as a coach that you know that 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 filming allows you to do one is to go back and pause things and have a look even if it's not that great of footage you don't get behind the goals or anything so you can't see the whole ground you can't see what's happening but to pause it and have a look what's happening um and but then to teach the players how not just to watch the game but actually to watch what they're looking for um and you know i mean i guess emma will attest that last year we only had five games filmed but they're invaluable, uh, you know, and we didn't have the time. We don't have a program that's that rich that we can spend a lot of time um, reviewing footage. But I'm astonished that in Premier Division last year that I don't know, I'm pretty aware that at least half of the teams did not even use their recorded games to review the footage. And whether that comes down to don't know how to didn't have time or, or whatever, I just think it's just a lost opportunity. So the coaching Absolutely. staff didn't even look at them, let alone the players? Oh, I don't know whether they looked at them, but they certainly didn't. Fr I know a number of clubs that didn't provide any opportunity or any instruction about how to review the game. I think the coaches would have reviewed them, mm -hmm. but, you know, that's different to showing someone, oh, look, here where you did X. Um, I know Emma will remember, mm. um, you know, we had a certain forward line structure and I could find evidence in the footage of where players were or were not um, where they and where they should be and that was probably the most valuable teaching tool in terms of that. Yeah, without question. Watching yourself having played is second to none. Yeah. And, you know, with a coach explaining what needed to occur. Right. I was very thankful that Amanda Ferrugia, also known as Fridge, gave me some time on Sunday to discuss the, the game and um, a few details about recovery and how a captain and a team uh, pick themselves up after a result like like Saturday's. The role that I have on an individual level is, is one very small part of the bigger picture. So it's definitely more of a well, do what you've got to do for the team because um, we can only win and we play well collectively. And I think we've just been a bit off the mark in the last few weeks in that regard. Yeah, so just on that note, um, Sunday is your recovery day. Well, this Sunday is your recovery day. Mm -hmm. um, so what does that involve? Um, it's different for everybody. So Sunday is a recovery day, but it's also a day off. So we've got a club sort of based recovery tomorrow at the footy club where uh, we do a combination of sort of ice, massage, um, a little bit of light cardiovascular exercise and stretching. Um, but today it's obviously the players' individual responsibility to take ownership of their own recovery. Um, so that comes in many forms. So the first thing, first and foremost, is to eat straight after the game and that's taken care of us by our dietitian who um, really does a great job looking after us. I saw um, some, then, I yeah. did see some burritos around about yep. the place. <laughs> yep, burritos are an ideal recovery food nice. um, because you get all the macros that you need and um, they taste really good. And, I mean, a lot of the players feel quite nauseous 
nutritious after games. So you've got to have something that's um, quite palatable um, to be able to get um, everything in that you need. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the cause of that nausea, Fridge? Um, it's usually dehydration. So some players feel it and other players don't, but it's, mm. it's usually because you're a little bit dehydrated. And um, I wasn't too bad yesterday uh, in terms of that nauseous feeling. I actually do feel more of it during club footy because in club footy games you don't really get any rotation. So you're playing and, and the quarters are 20 minutes. Um, so you play a lot longer without the regular um, amount of hydration in club footy because you don't have your water runners getting out to you as often as possible. Yeah. So, um, let's AFL, let's just skip over better. water runners, shall we, Fringe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They have an important role. They have a very yeah. important role. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's just about understanding your body as well and I right. need to make sure I get lots of sleep. So um, yeah. that's another important recovery and then do a bit of active stuff today. So some light cardio, maybe go for a walk, maybe get down to the beach and get your legs in the water and, um, again, a little bit more sleep and rest. So, yeah, they're the main priorities. Yeah, right. So you've got some new assistant coaches this season. What have they brought yes. to the team this year that's new or different? Um, yeah, they're all very passionate and uh, they they all um, bring very different qualities uh, to the table and they all have quite different personalities. And um, I think first and foremost they all gel with Alan quite well and, um, you know, Chrissy's been coaching for a really long time and is extremely passionate about the game. And I think one great thing about her is she um, she's managed to get the best out of all of her players and she's done a lot of legwork in trying to identify what makes us a better midfield and, um, and making sure that we develop skills to be able to work on our weaknesses. And that was a huge focus across the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, John is a, definitely a people person and he's done great things in trying to empower the forward line to play their natural game but also working with the structures that Al sets and Roger has very high standards that he makes the players try and um, fulfil and live up to and he doesn't sugarcoat things and um, I think in a way that that kind of harder approach is what you need because we have a a defensive group who um, are quite resilient and um, have had a lot of experience but they also need to be um, led with quite a lot of um, conviction as well and that's what Roger is able to do. Um, and then you've got Alan, who I think, you know, all the all the credit he gets is well-deserved and um, it's been widely um, widely known uh, and widely spoken about that, you know, Alan is a, a man with a lot of experience and he spends a lot of time making sure that he gets to know his players and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't apologise for the decisions that he makes and that can leave players disgruntled from time to time, but at the end of the day, his focus is on winning and is about getting the most out of the team and um, making sure that we can play finals. So, um We've got we've got high standards to meet this year, and I think that if you're going to do anything in AFLW, it's it's got to be um, based on setting the bar very high from a coaching point of view. Yeah, yeah, great. And so after a result, um, you, you must be quite disappointed after last night. How do you reset and then prepare for next week? Yeah, it's um one loss you can not cope with, but you you know you. You know, wins and losses might happen, but we've had three three losses on the on the trot now, so um, it's very easy to kind of withdraw and um, think very inwardly. Um, but more importantly, when you've had so many losses, it's about making sure that you stick together as a playing group. And um, I think we've learned a lot at the Giants because we have suffered um, losses in the past. I mean, our first season was fairly riddled with losses, and last year we started off our season with a couple of losses too. So we know um, we know how to bounce back from these setbacks and um, I think this is a huge challenge for us. I think mainly the challenge comes on the back of a lot of the outside noise that have um, been quite positive about how our season was going to run and um, it hasn't actually turned out that way. So we need to make sure that we identify um, the areas of improvement quite quickly because we've got such a short season um, but also don't let it get the better of ourselves and um, make sure that this week against Collingwood is the focus rather than dwelling on too many of the things that went wrong last week. Sure, yeah. And so in amongst all of this, it's good for us to be reminded that you're, you've you all got day jobs and so yes. um, you're a PE teacher and yes. so how do you prepare today for school tomorrow? <laughs> well, um, I think more and more the girls are sort of realising how difficult it is to have any kind of part-time or full-time work and do AFLW at the same time and the more that AFLW um, goes on, the more expectation there is 
on the players. And uh, I think this year's been quite challenging in trying to manage the expectations of being a footy player and um, also doing my best in my, my primary job, my full-time job um, as a teacher. So um, the main focus will just be making sure you check emails for school because um, there's usually a student that's emailed you or a colleague that's emailed you about something that must be done by tomorrow. Um, also just making sure that I've got everything that I need, bag packed, ready to go, um, because I also have to pack my footy bag too. So, you know, when I leave the house at 10 to 7 in the morning, I've got to be prepared for a full day of teaching my students and also then a full day of, um, or a full evening of AFL stuff. So, you know, it's pretty draining, but um, the best part about it is that when I'm at school, I'm only thinking about that. And when I'm at footy, I'm really only thinking about that and it gives me a bit of clarity and a bit of, um, I guess, a bit of distraction from um, when I'm at one about the other. So, Look, I'm making it work, um, but it definitely is challenging. And um, anyone who wants to um, work full time and do AFLW uh, in the future, I'd definitely be letting them know that it is a tough time. Um, yeah. And you have to have people around you that are really supportive and are willing to kind of let you get away with a few things to be able to balance both of them successfully. Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 um, the strain of being a teacher, I think, is something that. Uh, people are starting to cotton on to a little bit more in ter- certainly in terms of what you just mentioned there are emails that you now have to read on a Sunday which should technically be a day of rest especially after playing footy last night yep. uh, but you've got to do all of that before you um, go to work tomorrow and and complete the tasks that have been that have been sent to you um, but but what you didn't mention is that you're also an ambassador as part of your role as a player and and all of you are. You're, you've all got reasons that you're ambassadors for. I think I'm right in saying that in GWS. Yes. And uh, and of course, as captain, there's there's a bit more pressure applied to you as an ambassador. So, um, is there any more that that you want to say about that? Yeah. Look, it's um, there. It's not just. Uh when you have a leadership role, it's not just walking into the club and worrying about your own performance. Usually, when you when I get there, um, everything that I'm doing is about the team. Um, so there's usually a leadership team meeting or um, looking at vision, um, having a conversation with the coach, um, trying to identify any players that maybe are struggling or not going so well. Um, and then I think about getting my warm-up done in preparation for my own training. So as much as people say, oh, you know, you've got to make sure that you activate and worry about yourself and get yourself prepared for training, it's very difficult to do that when um, there are a lot of other commitments that have to be, have to be dealt with beforehand. So... It is a, um, a very complex um, time of the year for me because you, um, especially when you're losing, because this morning I spent a lot of the time having conversations with our leadership group about, um, you know, some things that we need to do looking forward for the rest of the season and um, then you're thinking about your own individual performance as well and um, then you're also thinking about work and you're also trying to maintain your own personal relationships at the same time and yeah, see, yeah. see your family as well. So mm. yeah, there's a, there is a lot going on and... Um, it, it can be difficult to manage, but you need to have people in your life that are quite understanding and you have to learn to say no no, no to things. And um, as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm, I'm definitely realising that you can't possibly say yes to everything that gets asked of you because you just don't have enough hours in the day. And, um, I, uh, I take take my responsibility as uh, an ambassador for the Giants um, quite seriously and I think it's in a, a very important role and that definitely comes off the back of the kind of turnout that we saw yesterday. We've got some of the best fans in the league and, um, you know, they're not AFL natives. They're, they're people who have come to the game from, you know, as just being sports lovers or fans of from other sports and it's really important that we make sure that they understand how valued they are. So, um, yeah, I've got to try and kind of get around to a fair few things um, in life but I enjoy that. I enjoy being busy and, um, you know, I, I value all those areas of life. So I was interested that um, here we have a captain who is arguably the most respected captain in the league at the moment saying that the current structure is really not sustainable, that it's um, it's not possible to work full-time um, and and commit yourself properly to – and commit yourself to playing AFLW. Yeah, look, I think um, she also intimated that this year – like it's like year on end – that the demands are increasing. So even though the number of hours you're paid for has not really changed very much, there was a slight increase and so a slight increase in hours, um, it's it's not commensurate of the t- actual time that you need to put in. So, you know, you're a part-time athlete but your the demands on you are much greater than a part-time 
athlete on the number of hours that they say. And I'll say that, that that's the same for the coaching, the support staff, and it's not sustainable. People cannot, um, you know, lose that portion of their wage that it requires them. They're not compensated for the portion of their wage that it requires them to give to the game. So effectively what we're saying is you need sponsors to do that. Whether, whether, whether if you are a player or a coach, you need sponsors to be able to progress uh, in your career in AFLW. So uh, whether that is a partner who is covering the bills and supporting their partner or whether it's a family because we have some young players, um, it, it unfortunately means that money talks at this stage and, and it's money that the league isn't putting in. So uh, what that says to me is that there will be players and coaches in the short term at least who are excluded from this opportunity because they don't have the money that, that they have to have to be able to support themselves because the league is not providing it was well. You said the thing about the coaches are in the same scenario and the staff. I mean, that was why Beck Goddard couldn't continue at Adelaide. That was the main reason, wasn't it? That they weren't and Michelle Cole. Oh, mm. Yeah, of course. Um, that the club, you know, there was just not enough money for them to live the life they were living for those three, four months of the year, and the amount of time and effort it took out of their full time jobs, or they'd have to take long service leave. Um, Nikki Harwood, she couldn't stay on at Collingwood the second year, could she? Oh, she's now back over at in WA, but um, she, yeah, same thing. You can't just dump your family and run away. Um, more than one one season, it seems to be the issue. So, yeah, I, mean, I think you nailed it. It's just not sustainable. Like it, it needs to be a different. The model needs to be reviewed, and um, whether the four teams coming in means that we can align uh, a longer winter season, which would make a lot of sense. But whether that happens, and I'm yeah. sure we'll have a little bit to say about the conference. So. Uh, Going forward anyway. Yeah. All right, so we're going into our match next week against Collingwood. What are your thoughts, everyone? We got better a, bloody win this one. Got to be a win, doesn't it? <laughs> Did you hear me yawn, Jesse? <laughs> oh now, 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 oh. now, taking your, um, <laughs> you know, your childhood at Victoria Park away from this conversation and being very objective. Yeah. Um, GWS have to win. They're in a they're in a fortunate situation in that their pool, the leader of their pool only has one win. Yeah, so the pool is still very open. So there is an opportunity and to be honest whoever doesn't win out of these in this game um, is probably going to be out of the competition. Please <laughs> stop throwing things around the studio. <laughs> She's emotional about Shut this one. Tantrum. <laughs> Very upset. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's going to be a cracker of a game and for both teams it's a must win. Where is the game? I should know that. It's at Morewell Sports Complex. Or it's in, in Morewell. I'll be on the train for right. two hours to get there. I'm going down there. And Good, on Good on you. Good on you, I'll be alone. I'll be solo too. It'll, so I hope I find a few friends down there I'm sure you will but look it's desperate times for both clubs and just for their reputation um the individual players um you know the season's nearly over and if you can't put a win on the board it, it's pretty embarrassing all round for everybody and uh yeah reputations are at stake this week and deflating you know I think mm -hmm. you, yeah, totally a number of losses on the run has an impact regardless of how good your sports psych is and how good the team is and how much you know will there is in the team to turn that around at the end of the day there's a psychological advantage to the teams who've won a few games yeah, you just feel so much better about yourself don't you and you know everything from training to rehab everything's worth it when there's wins on the board so um i don't know what the turning point will be or how they're going to turn it around there'll be probably the two changes swanson will be back from injury i would think after a week out uh, nick barr will be back suspension. as well so the back line will be bolstered um, I, I guess the question is, we discussed before, what's going to happen in the midfield or, or can they get some better connection and better ball use and first ball use because they're not getting first use of the ball in the midfield. Someone's got to yeah, make, a, make a big effort. Someone has to put their hand up and say, it's going to be me. Um, maybe Alicia Eva might stand up and carry them through and spark them up and get it all rolling. And, yeah, quick quick feed out of the centres into the forwards and anything can happen. So, And your mate 
Inga, she might get a go this week. Yeah, look, I, I, I think... She's got a lovely um, tap out, hasn't she? Mm, yeah, very. look, I, it, there's a few of them yet to have a run, but that's not to say they all will. And last year, four players didn't play at all during the season. So, yeah. you know, you've got to manage expectations around that. But um, in saying that, um, we really... Giants don't have, uh, at this point in time, a forward marking option. Um, and, you know... I'd mix it up. This is your last chance. You've got to have a crack, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I think the contested possessions are interesting. I mean, GWS are still good at contested ball. Um, I don't think they're as highly ranked as they were last year, but they're still good at it. Um, Collingwood aren't as good at it. Um, so that'll be interesting. So, you know, it comes down to ball use, I think. Fair to say the Giants are a better side on paper. Mm. They, do they just put it together this week? It's got to happen at some point, doesn't it? Yeah. Collingwood's the one, perhaps? Mm. Yeah, and they had a great win against Collingwood last year. That was, that, that was a fantastic. Win, that was the first win last mm. year. So, uh, I guess in terms of that that level of uh, confidence or the feeling of it's possible, um, that will help shape that that feeling that it could be possible. I'm still picking Collingwood to win. <laughs> Nat, because you're wearing are they blue and white or black and white stripes oh. you're wearing there today? You're looking like a cat. Supporter. Yeah, a little bit cats like. Mm. Stripes of the new black. No. <laughs> um, any other any other comments on the game? Fern, I'll look out for you. Big um, big fan in Fernie Fern. I actually don't know what her last name is, but everyone knows who Fern is. She's a great Collingwood supporter, and she loves uh, Alicia Eva in GWS Giants. So um, she was there on she was there on the weekend. We didn't actually catch up. So I will see you this weekend, Fern. Come hell or high water, and uh, match details, Fee. So we'll see you uh, on Sunday, the 24th of February, 2.05pm at Morwell Recreation Reserve. Go Giants. So let's do our predictions for next round. Cats and Blues, I'm going Cats. Yeah, this will be interesting. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a a Geelong. Is it really that tough? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go Blues. I reckon they're on a high after that win. I'm gonna cats at home. Yeah, cats at home. Yeah. All right. Um, Bulldogs and lions. Now, see, I would have said lions, but I'm now saying bulldogs. Mm. Based on recent events, bulldogs. That's at Witten. Is that the home of bulldogs? I'm going bulldogs. Yeah, doggies for me. I think bouncing back from that big loss to North too, they'll be sore and ready to give it a crack, as they say. Should be a good game. Uh, Crows and Frio. I'm going Crows. This is in this is in Northern Territory. Ah. Oh, dear TIO Stadium. Mm. Yeah, Adelaide. Easy. eh? You reckon easy now? Yeah, I think uh, with the you know split squad and they've got some of the girls from up that way. You're not so it's the home game. Yes, of course. The heat, they'll love it. Uh, family friends there to support them, so Adelaide, yeah. Yeah, Adelaide for me, they're just playing super footy. All their stars are firing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. look, I think I'll go Adelaide. I'm feeling the peer pressure. Erin Phillips with two good quads. What? <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> she is, yeah. <laughs> She'd be good so on one, wouldn't she? That, well, that's a shout-out to JC from um, This AFL Life who wrote a song at the end of last season saying AFLW has ruined me for AFLM and I agree, I concur. <laughs> But part of it was Erin um, Phillips on One Good Quad. <laughs> I missed that. Part of that song. I'd like to song. dig that up, please. I'll, I'll send it to you. Thank you. Um, Pies and GWS, so I'm going Giants. It's 50-50 on the, on the tipping bizzo, interestingly. That's because, yeah, because I think it is 50 Because <laughs> <laughs> they've both, like, they've both <laughs> gone inside 50 like around 22, 23 times. Like their stats, apart from their contested possession, their stats are really similar. I'm going to go Giants because just want to will them over the line, really. Yeah. Yeah, all right, Giants. Could it be a draw? (laughs) Could we pack a draw? Well, there hasn't been a draw yet. There hasn't been a draw. And there's there's usually at least a couple. Mm. It's not going to help anyone. M predicts predicts it. All right, I'll stick with the draw. Right. Okay. And Nat, what was your final word? Oh, I nearly said Giants. I want Giants to win. Well, you don't. Actually, I want... Look, okay. I don't care. Whoever. <laughs> just Whatever now. What? She's just going for footy, aren't she? Yeah, footy. Yeah. The Women's winner. footy. That's it. All right. And finally, D's and Kangas. Well, I'm going Kangas because I don't see any other option really. Oh, no. Melbourne easily. They'll be celebrating. They'll have the little mascots to carry out. Daisy's <laughs> little bundles of joy through the banner. Well, they are, I'll be excited. Yeah. Oh, Daisy will be inside. back by round eight, I hear. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Do you have to play a certain number of games to go into a final? 
No. Well, I, look, I think I think it's reasonable for her to take two weeks off after a cesarean and then, uh, and then back right, right General into soreness. <laughs> Is that what she's out with? <laughs> yeah, I'm taking North. I look, I think North are just too good. They're too good at controlling the ball. They they kick to mark and they control the footy. I'm just taking North. Yeah, North for me. After my own heart, can't say no. <laughs> There's one more thing left to say, and that is... Here come come the Giants! Um, And and look, if if every moment in life can be analysed by a metaphor from a scene from Greece, and I think it can... (laughs) You're the one that I want? I was Rizzo in my school production of Greece, P.S. Well, you know you, what? Uh, I Danny can see that. No, Rizzo. Rizzo. Mm. Yeah. I always fancied myself as – there's a meme that's going around <laughs> growing up thinking that you're Sandy and actually growing up and finding out that actually you were Rizzo. I knew I was Rizzo all along. <laughs> it was not a problem. 